What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Foul Play and our chilling exploration of the monster of Florence, the elusive serial killer who terrorized the picturesque hills of Tuscany, leaving a trail of mutilated bodies and shattered lives in his wake. In this second episode of our series, we'll delve into the labyrinth of investigations, theories, and findings that have emerged in the decades since these heinous crimes first shocked the world. Join us as we attempt to unravel the tangled web of this sinister mystery. As the body count rose and the public's fear reached a fever pitch, the Italian police launched a massive manhunt for the monster of Florence. Task force were assembled and countless hours were spent combing through evidence, searching for any clue that could lead them to the elusive killer. In their desperation to bring the monster to justice, several false arrests were made, tarnishing the reputation of the police and further fueling the media frenzy. One such arrest was of Enzo Spalletti, a local mechanic, in 1982. A witness claimed to have seen a man matching Spalletti's description near the scene of one of the murders, and police discovered a gun in his possession that was similar to the one used in the killings. However, it turns out his alibi was solid. Enzo Spalletti had been at a family gathering on the night of the murder, Multiple relatives corroborated his story, stating that Spilletti had been in attendance for the entire evening, making it impossible for him to have been at the crime scene. In addition to this strong alibi, the police conducted a further investigation to determine Spilletti's innocence. Ballistic tests were performed on the gun found in Spilletti's possession, comparing the bullets and casings from the murder scene with those fired from his weapon. The results of these tests conclusively proved that the gun was not the murder weapon that the monster of Florence had used. Furthermore, forensic analysis of Spalletti's clothing and vehicle revealed no traces of blood or other evidence linking him to the crime scene. Despite the initial suspicion and media frenzy surrounding his arrest, Enzo Spalletti was ultimately exonerated due to his solid alibi and the lack of any physical evidence connecting him to the monster's horrific crimes. He was released, but not before his life was turned upside down by the relentless media attention. The investigation took another twist in 1984, when a local man named Francesco Vinci was arrested after his estranged wife accused him of being the monster. Vinci bore a striking resemblance to a composite sketch of the killer, 
and had a history of violence. However, once again, the evidence was insufficient, and Vinci was eventually released due to a lack of proof. As the pressure mounted to solve the case, the media became a force unto itself, with journalists and amateur Salus descending onto the region in droves. Sensational headlines and wild speculation became the order of the day, further complicating an already convoluted investigation. Despite the countless leads, suspects, and dead ends, the killer's true identity remained frustratingly out of reach. Amidst the chaos, whispers of corruption, incompetence, and cover-ups began to circulate, casting a shadow of doubt over the entire investigation. As the years wore on, and with no sign of the monster being caught, the investigation took several unexpected turns, including pursuing a satanic cult and the involvement of the infamous Italian Secret Service. With few leads and the pressure to solve the case mounting, some investigators began to consider the possibility that the monster was not a lone individual, but part of a larger, sinister organization. This theory gained traction due to the ritualistic nature of the killings and the precision with which the female victims' bodies were mutilated. Some experts hypothesized that the removal of specific organs and body parts could be indicative of a ritualistic or occult practice, and the consistent targeting of couples in secluded areas further supported this idea. In their pursuit of the cult theory, investigators uncovered a tangled web of suspicious connections and shadowy figures, including mysterious doctor named Francesco Bruno. Bruno, a psychiatrist with a background in criminology, had been involved in the investigation as a consultant, and his expertise on the occult led police to explore the possibility of his involvement in the crimes. However, despite a thorough investigation, no concrete evidence linking Bruno to the murders was ever found, and the theory ultimately led to another dead end. As the investigation continued, another figure emerged as a potential suspect, a known member of a satanic cult named Mario Vanni. Vanni, a local farmer and part-time postman, had been implicated by an informant who claimed to have attended cult meetings where the monster's murders were discussed. Police searched Vanny's home and discovered a collection of knives, but a lack of forensic evidence and his unwavering insistence of innocence ultimately led to his release. The satanic cult theory captivated the public's imagination, but despite numerous leads and suspects, no definitive evidence was ever uncovered to prove that such a cult existed or played any role in the monster's heinous crimes. The theory would eventually fade into the background, leaving investigators to scramble for a different theory entirely. In 1993, the investigation into the monster of Florence took another turn, 
when a tip led police to focus on a group of Sardinians living in Tuscany. Sardinians are the native people of Sardinia, an island in the Mediterranean Sea, a part of Italy. The informant, a man named Gio Bonisi, claimed that he had overheard members of the group discussing the murders and expressing admiration for the killer. This revelation piqued the interest of investigators, who began digging deeper into the connections between the Sardinian community and the monster's gruesome crimes. One of the key figures in the Sardinian connection was a man named Pietro Pachani, a farm laborer with a violent criminal past. Pachani had previously been convicted of murdering a traveling salesman and sexually assaulting his own daughters. In 1993, authorities arrested Pachani, alleging that he was the monster of Florence. They claim he had committed the murders as part of a twisted revenge plot against his ex-wife, who had left him for another man. The prosecution's case against Pachani relied heavily on circumstantial evidence, including the fact that he owned a 22 caliber Beretta, the same type of gun used in the monster's killings. Additionally, Pachani's violent history and known association with members of the Sardinian group seemed to suggest a possible connection to the serial murders. However, Pachani's defense team argued that the evidence against him was weak and circumstantial, and that the police were simply desperate to solve the case. They pointed out that Pachani was not a skilled marksman, and his physical appearance did not match the descriptions provided by witnesses of the crime scenes. Despite the lack of concrete evidence, Pachani was initially convicted and sentenced to life in prison in 1994. However, his conviction was overturned on appeal in 1996, and he was released due to insufficient evidence. The following year, police arrested several of Pachani's friends and associates, including Mario Vanni and John Carlo Lotti, on charges related to the Monster of Florence murders. Vanni and Lotti were convicted as accomplices in the crimes, with Lotti confessing to being present at some of the murder scenes, but maintaining that he did not participate in the killings. As we deep dive into these chilling tales, we all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water. It's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon. Letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. 
you deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with foul play. And for the devoted foul play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash Shane to get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Sardinian connection raised more questions than answers, with many people believing that the true monster of Florence remained at large. Pacciani's arrest and the subsequent focus on the Sardinian group highlighted the desperation of investigators to close the case. But ultimately, the monster's identities and motives remain shrouded in mystery. The enduring enigma of the monster of Florence continues to haunt the region and captivate the world, even decades after the final murder. As the spectre of uncertainty loomed over the investigation, public attention shifted to the courtroom, where a trial that would come to be known as, quote, the trial of the century, end quote, was about to unfold. The trial of Pietro Pacciani began in 1994, and quickly captured the attention of the Italian public and media from around the world. The sensational nature of the crimes committed by the monster of Florence, combined with controversial investigation and the unusual suspects, made for a story that captivated audiences far and wide. The prosecution's case against Pacciani hinged on a combination of circumstantial evidence and witness testimonies including those who claimed to have seen Pacciani near the scenes of some of the murders. Additionally, investigators presented evidence suggesting that Pacciani had a history of violence towards women and a previous conviction for the murder of a travelling salesman in 1951, which further fueled the belief that he was the notorious killer. However, Pacciani's defence team was quick to point out the many inconsistencies and weaknesses in the prosecution's case. They argued that Pacciani was in his late 60s at the time of the trial, was physically incapable of committing the brutal murders and mutilations attributed to the monster. Furthermore, they noted that the case against Pacciani was largely built on the testimony of unreliable witnesses and dubious evidence. Despite the defence's arguments... Pachani was found guilty in 1994 and sentenced to life in prison. However, the verdict was far from the end of the story. In 1996, the conviction was overturned on appeal due to lack of evidence, and Pachani was released from prison. A retrial was ordered, but Pachani passed away in 1998 before it could take place leaving many to wonder if the true monster of Florence had ever been brought to justice. The trial of the century ultimately did little to answer the lingering questions surrounding the monster of Florence case. 
Instead, it further highlighted the investigation's inadequacies and the Italian justice system's struggle to solve a case that had haunted the nation for decades. As the years passed and the memory of the trial faded, the monster of Florence's identity and motives remained an enigma, forever shrouded in the darkness of the Tuscan countryside. As the dust settled on the trial of the century, the questions surrounding the monster of Florence case remained unanswered, giving rise to numerous alternative theories and speculations. In this final segment, we'll delve into some of the lingering questions and modern theories that continue to surround this infamous serial killer. With the inconclusive outcome of Pachani's trial and the subsequent dismissal of the Sardinian connection, the door was left wide open for new theories and interpretations of the Monster of Florence case. One such theory suggests that the true killer was a doctor or someone with advanced surgical knowledge, given the precision or skill with which mutilations were performed. This theory has gained traction over the years, as it could potentially explain the lack of progress in the investigation and the inability to identify a suspect who fits the profile of the killer. Another theory suggests that the monster of Florence was not a single individual, but rather a group of people working together, possibly even members of law enforcement or the medical community. This theory gained some support from the fact that the murder stopped after Pacciani's arrest, suggesting that his apprehension may have disrupted the group's activities, even if Pacciani himself was not directly involved in the killings. Some have also revisited the possibility of a cult or ritualistic angle, suggesting that the monster's killings were part of a larger organised belief system or that the victims were targeted as part of a ceremonial practice. While this theory has never been substantiated with concrete evidence, it continues to intrigue and captivate those who study the case. In the age of advanced technology and new investigative techniques, Some have called for a re-examination of the Monster of Florence case using modern forensic tools, hoping that new evidence might be uncovered to finally unmask the true killer. However, for now, the Monster of Florence remains one of the most chilling and enduring mysteries in the annals of true crime history. As we conclude our exploration of the Monster of Florence case, we are left with the haunting realisation that Despite the passage of time and the tireless efforts of investigators, the truth about this enigmatic killer may remain forever out of reach. What are your theories? Is it possible that they had the killer and set him free? Or that the killer was never found at all? Join us next time as we explore and deep dive into another unsolved case here on Foul Play. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.